0: Go first tonight. Hallelujah. Sister Sonia. Go ahead, and Lou is going to be the mic man for tonight. Hallelujah.
1: <laughs> when they spoke to the ruler in the synagogue, and um, they they led him to Christ, they, you know, they they spoke to him of what Jesus had done for for us, and um, they brought they enlightened him, you know, and he knew then who Jesus Christ was, and was better able to share the truth and. Um, for me, uh, that grips my heart because, like, um, you know, this is what's going on. That they're there, speaking of what they know to the point of what they know, but they can't go beyond that. So um, they can't lead people the way that they should. So with um, Paul and the apostles going from place to place, they were ever able to shed the light on. Um, in these areas so that people could come to know Christ. And um, for me, the, it just um, led me to pray for yourself and for those in leadership that um, might be able to share with those that are pastors or in different uh, ministries that don't know Christ the way they should, that can't share. The truth or it might be leading people in the void they shouldn't be going so that that gripped me along with um when they also went and shared uh, it was priscilla and aquila and then they went and they spoke to apollos and then they were able to share christ with him also and then he could go on um, to the ministry that God had for him.
0: Amen. Very good. Um, I, I read it in this one part.
2: And then I was off the hook, but then I read on, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not off the hook. Uh, where he says, um, but when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own head. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'm preaching. Well, not preaching, but just trying to speak to my family and trying to, you know, just let them know about the word and about God. And, you know, it's been ongoing for a couple of years now, you know, and they still kind of, you know, don't, um, don't get it. Um, so I said, okay, well, you know, I can shake off my garments and... <laughs> <laughs> but then later on he goes do not be uh just jesus the lord speaks to paul and says do not be afraid but speak and and uh do not keep silent for i am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you for i have many in this city so you know it just lets you know that you know not only are you not alone because you have the lord but you have others who are, you know, encouraging as well because they're preaching the gospel and they're talking to people and they're not discouraged by how long it takes, you right. know, to get them to come to Christ. So that was um, what stuck out for me.
0: Amen. Good. Who else? Yes, sister Grace. Galileo, you know, yes. when
3: the Jews went unto him because right. uh, you know they were against what Paul was saying, and uh, they went to them to Galileo to see if they, if he would uh, agree with them, which he didn't. But he said, "But if if it be a question of words and names and of your law, look looky." look ye to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. I'm thinking during that time that even what Paul was saying and what they believed, it was understood or either. uh, When he said, uh, look to that be a question of words and names of your law, look ye to it, for I will be no judge on such matters. So, I'm wondering if he was like what they were saying was all right, and for them not to question both <coughs> because what what Paul was saying was right in a sense, and of course they believed in the law. I didn't really kind of understand that when he said that, and then, in seventeen, of course you know they they weren't pleased with what uh Gallio said. So then they took, what is, Sosthenes? Sosthenes. The chief ruler of the synagogue and beat him before the judgment seat. So why would they take him and beat him before the judgment seat? Of course, and Gallio cared for none of those things either. (laughs) So uh, were they just doing this because of envy, you know, because Galio didn't do what they wanted him to do? And then in uh, verse 18, when Paul left Tyre in uh, Antioch and he took leave when he left the brethren and sailed thence to Syria with Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Sincrea? Yep. Uh, for he had a vow. So before that, was he a Nazarite?
0: He was a, a Nazarite from that point. From that From that point, from that point he, he shaved his head in Sincrea and the way that the law operated with dealing with um, the Nazarite, the, the Nazarene Pledge or the Nazarite Pledge. I'm sorry, and what they would do is they would have to shave their head, didn't matter where they shaved their head, but they had to present themselves in the temple. The hair after their pledge was over, right, they, they would shave their head and then, so yeah, so he was he was coming out of that. I'm sorry, he was coming out of that. So right, he was coming out of that. So he had taken a vow, right. Right, I'm sorry, yeah, he was, prior to that, he was on his way back to Jerusalem to go on ahead and present his hair as you know, that as so, along with the sacrifice, right? And
3: then in, um, well, we know that this is the beginning of his third minute, missionary. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So my question was.
0: You had two questions there, three. Yeah. You had three. I got them. You want me to answer them? okay no no I, yeah that's what i mean you want me to answer I, I, i'm gonna try I'm, a, I'm gonna do my best glory to god all right so the first one we have where i look at verse 15 chapter 18 verse 15 it says we'll start in verse 14 it says when paul was about to open his mouth or will it let, actually let's go up a couple of more verses go to go to verse 12 it says when gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the jews with one accord rose up against paul and brought him to the judgment seat saying this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, "If it is a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you." So, first of all, what we understand is that the Apostle Paul had been preaching here in Corinth. It, it's, it tells us that he was there for a year and six months. So he's been here for a year and six months, preaching the gospel, teaching the people, and so now they're bringing this judgment against him. And they're bringing him before this this council most of the most of the of, of the things that I read from the different scot from the different um, theologians they communicated that you know Galileo was a new council member so they're obviously trying to bring you know something that would be new to him um, in, in that area so they come to him they bring Paul before him kind of like what they did you know with Jesus and what they've done in other places and so they're bringing him before the council and that way he can go ahead and what what their goal is their goal because this council member he's part he, he he's over a region He's part of like, you know, they had like two different um, areas in the government, you know, the Senate. Well, he was part of the Senate. And as being part of the Senate, you know, he was this he had this whole region of Achaia. Now, if Gallio would have went ahead and been judge over this argument about the law, he would have had the right to go on ahead and say Christianity is banned from any of the Roman provinces. That was what they wanted him to do, because if he would go ahead and he would ban the preaching of Christ and Christianity from that province, then it would have been illegal for them to do it and so then what would have happened is they would have just totally annihilated the church which is what their goal was that's what their that's what their intention was that's why they're bringing paul before them but what galio does is he says listen i don't want to be a judge of your laws i'm not going to you know make a national religion in this area that's not going to happen you know people are going to be free to you know do their thing the way that they want to do it and i'm not going to go and you know lay the hammer down i don't even want to hear the argument because notice paul is getting ready to defend himself and he cuts Paul off, and he says, listen, he said, I don't, I don't want to hear, you don't need to defend yourself, I'm not even listening to what these people are saying, and so when he communicates, and he says, but if it is a question of words, and names, and your law, and your own law, obviously, the church now, And and, and I was going to say this when I go through the whole breakdown, but what we know here when we're looking at when we're looking at verse two in this chapter is, is, is when, and when we read verse two, let's look at verse two. It says, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And this is what I want you to focus on because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and he came to them. Now, this is important because if you remember last week, we were talking about the reasoning that Paul did and um, how he went into the synagogues and he was explaining things and giving proof, right? Well, this is one of those, I told you that there's different ways that you can prove the Bible. You can prove the Bible through its geography and it aligns with geography. You can prove the scriptures through prophecy, but you can also prove the scriptures through history. And what happens here is Luke, as he writes this book, he gives us something to mark time with and he shows us, he says, because Claudius, so what you do is you find out who Claudius is and when you look at who Claudius is well he was one of the caesars and his reign was about ad 49 so now if you look, look at this you think about this if you go from ad 33 which is about the time that the church started right so ad 33 all the way to ad 49 how many years is that 16 right Right. Right. Do the math. Right. So 33, 43 will be 10. And then you add six more, got 49. Right. So the church is 16 years old. Now, now the church has been around for 16 years. This is not something new. This is something that has been around. So up to this point, what is going on is most people have accepted as far as the Roman, the, the Roman leadership, they have accepted Christianity as just another Jewish Jewish sect. They look at it as, you know how we have the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, they're all Jewish, but they're just different sects. Well, what they're doing is they're saying, you know what, the way, that's just another Jewish sect because it came from the Jewish people and it's them who are, you know, part of this whole movement and that's all that they're looking at it as. So that's why he says, you know, if this is about names and, you know, and, 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 and about um, words of your own law, you guys look to it, I don't want to deal with that. And then the second question was, so that answered the first question, good, good on that one, all right, praise the Lord. So the second question was this one here in verse 17. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. So this guy, he recognizes that this beating has to do with religious stuff. And, and, And the reason why they're, you know, getting or they're beating him is because they wanted to beat Paul. Okay, they couldn't beat Paul because that would have been an illegal situation. But Sosthenes is the leader of the synagogue now. Now, remember a little while back you remember this guy crispus he was the leader of the synagogue and we'll read through that as well he got saved so he's no longer the leader of the synagogue so south Sinise is the leader of the synagogue what does the leader of the synagogue do he's like the today senior pastor you know that's what he is he's the, he, he's the person who's supposed to make sure that there's order in the synagogue he's the one that's supposed to oversee the religious things that are going on within the city well what happens is he was part of this whole you know bringing this argument up to Gallio, but he didn't get the job done so you know what they did they gave him a beatdown that's what they did they they, they, they gave him a beatdown because he didn't get the job done so someone's gonna have to pay for this and so can't beat paul so we're gonna beat him because he wasn't able to do what he wasn't able to get christianity wiped out of the city so they go ahead and they do that to him and Gallio again he takes no notice of it and he moves on all right go ahead yes ma'am Sosthenes yeah they believe so they believe later I think it's in the book of um, first Corinthians or something like that where where he's mentioning all of these names and I believe Sosthenes is one of the names and I could understand why he would get saved because you know he got a beat down so you know what I might as well go ahead and walk with Christ because I'm getting beat up for it anyway so you know but no I, I don't think that was a reason why but um, I'm pretty sure that you know somewhere around there he did give his life to the Lord and that's what everybody does believe all right my brother. So would well, um, uh, be that? be Absolutely. That would be the, that that would be the how can I say that? That would be the divine reason why Paul didn't get, you know, didn't get this. But God, you see how God used the leadership to go ahead and protect them. So, yeah, but it's definitely because of that. Anything else? Any other questions? Comments? All right. We're going to go from the top. So beginning in verse one of chapter 18, it says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And being found, a, and, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So again, that's about A.D. 49 when this occurs. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers, and so we know that the Jewish, the Jewish tradition, was this. That no matter what you, you know, no matter what you were, what your family was, you were going to learn about the law of God and you were going to learn a trade so that way you will always work, all right? That was, that was the thing. So Paul, when he was growing up, you know, that he was, I mean, this guy was serious in the word. He understood the scriptures like nobody else, and he was very devoted to those things. He was persecuting the church, but he also had a trade that he was taught. There was another thing that was traditional in those days, and it was that the rabbis who were the leaders in those, in, 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 of, of, the, of the disciples, whether it was of the disciples that were coming to the synagogue or whoever, but those teachers, they wouldn't take money from their students. Students. They would all work. And so that was the way that that went. So the Apostle Paul here goes into this city. And Corinth you got to know that Corinth was a big I mean it was it was one of the biggest cities, one of the main places where people came through. I mean there was all kind of idolatry, all kind of stuff that was going on in that city. There was a lot of te- there were a lot of teachers that were there who were teaching different things and so Paul wanted to make sure that in his teaching that he didn't just set himself apart by the message, but that he set himself apart by the methods that he was out there preaching, that he wasn't getting paid because a lot of these people that were out there, they were just out there trying to, you know, they were trying to gain a following so that way they could earn a living. It wasn't because they were trying to change people's lives. And so the apostle Paul, he clearly communicates that he, in, in, in one of the epistles, I believe it's in first Corinthians, when he talks about not being a burden, he says, I wasn't a burden to you when I was there. And, and when the brethren came, they supplied all of my needs. And we're going to see how all of that comes into play. But that's the reason why this whole portion here is about, you know, him being a tent maker and what he did. Verse four, tells us what he does. So he gets a job. He gets connected with these other people. And then it says, and he reasoned again. We learned in verse 17 about his style. He would go into the synagogues. And what was reasoning? It was that di- di- dialogomai or whatever that word was that we used last week. And it meant, it's where we get the word dialogue. And it's, what, and, and it's what? It's asking questions, answering questions. It's the best way to minister to people. A lot of times people don't want to hear you preach, but they will have a conversation with you. You sit down with someone. If you've read the book, um, the one thing you can't do when you go to heaven, you will remember that what does this guy do all of the time? He doesn't go out there preaching. He asks them questions. He's on an airplane and he sits next to folks. And what does he do? He becomes a master at asking the right questions. He asks question after question and gets you talking. And then as he's asking you questions and learning about you, he, all of it, you know, he at the same time is able to answer questions because you're going to have questions. And so that is what Paul does in every circumstance. When he goes into the synagogue, he doesn't just go in there and just say, Hey guys, I got a message, or word of the Lord and go and give them this three point message and do an altar call. That isn't the way that he does it. What he does is he starts to reason with them, and that way they can think because when you're reasoning with people, you're making them think. They're not just rejecting what you're saying, they're thinking about what they're saying. They're thinking about why do I believe what I believe? Why do I think the way that I think when you're asking them questions? But if you're just preaching at them, you know what they're doing? They're doing what everybody does that sits down in congregations on Sundays. That's not for me. Mm hmm. That's what they do, you know. No, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's for her, you know. You hear you hear couples, you know. One of them's elbowing the other one. That's for you. That's you know that. Uh huh. But it's for you, man. You know, you got to get that word. It's for you as much as it is for your spouse, right? So ultimately, it's the same thing. When people, when you're preaching to someone on a one-on-one, all they're doing, they're not listening to what you're saying. They're not really thinking so much about it. What they're doing is they're they're figuring out how they can refute it. So when you get them to ask, or you're asking them questions, you make them think about that. So the Apostle Paul goes into the synagogues. When he when does he do it? He He's working all week long. And on Saturdays, he comes to the synagogue and he does he, he does his reasoning on the Sabbath. And what is he doing? He's persuading both Jews and Greeks. So he's persuading the people that have been in the synagogue that are Jewish. He's persuading the ones that are Greek, that are believers but are not Jewish. He's communicating the truth to them and they're hearing it. Now here is the part where Paul and, oh I'm sorry, Silas and Timothy, they come from Macedonia. And this is where First Corinthians talks about, where he says he was not a burden to them and wouldn't be a burden to them. And that when the brothers came from Macedonia, which is Silas and Timothy, when they came from Macedonia, they supplied the needs of Paul. So Paul didn't have to focus so much on being out there making tents and doing that job. He could focus more on his heart, which was what? Which was to preach the gospel. And he communicates something powerful that was really convicting for me as I was reading this, it says, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Now, why was this convicting to me? Because I was looking at that whole little phrase there, Paul was compelled by the Spirit. In different translation it says different things, but what it literally means is that he was pressed by the Spirit. He was being squeezed by the Spirit. There was a burden that was inside of the Apostle Paul that even if he wanted to shut his mouth, he couldn't. Even if he wanted to be quiet, he could not because there was something that was burning in him and that has got to be something that happens to us not just not just preachers but us as children of God on a general level we have got to be so overwhelmingly in love with Christ so overwhelmingly overtaken by who he is and by his love like we're singing that song he's the lover of my soul we need to I mean that needs to be a reality in us you know when when I was younger and, you know, or should I say when, you know, with teenagers and things like that, you know, we we get, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever the case may be. And you know what? People get sick of you talking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend, because that is all you talk about. You got this new relationship and everything. You can't have a conversation for five minutes without. They used to hate me. Glory to God. When I first met my wife, I was just my wife, my wife, my wife. And I didn't even realize it. I didn't know. I, I, I'm being absolutely honest with you. I mean, I wasn't saying my wife because she wasn't my wife yet, but I was saying Elaine, 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 Elaine. And so you know, I I remember one of my friends, he, I, I didn't, I didn't realize how much I talked about her until one day he tells me, he's like, you know, I told him, I'm like, man, I really think I like this lady, you know? And he, and he was like, what? You, you think you like? Brother, you always talking about her. What do you mean you think? You, I mean, you've been talking about her for like the last two weeks. All I hear is you talk about her. And so, you know, the point is that I was overwhelmed. There was something just inside of me. There was a love that was flowing, this, this freshness. And you know what? And our relationship with Christ, it's got to be the same way. We have got to keep our first love burning. There's got to be that inside of us that when we're in the midst of this world, because see, Paul was out there in the marketplace in Corinth and he was selling those tents and doing his job, but there was something inside of him that was moving him to have to share the gospel because he was watching these people that were lost. And it's got to be the same thing that burns inside of our hearts. Very important that we're moved by the spirit and what we do. And I appreciate Sister Sonia's praying, you know, for leadership. And it's important that you pray for your leadership because it is easy. And I can tell you firsthand experience. It is easy to get caught up in all of the work that's got to be done. And you forget about that first love. You forget about that relationship that is so important. And you begin to pray because you're praying for people or you're studying because you got to preach and all of this kind of stuff it is important that you that you lift up your leadership and that they will have that burden so that way god will be able to use them and manifest himself in a great and mighty way verse six says but they opposed him so the Apostle Paul, and this is another beautiful thing here to, to see, is that the Apostle Paul was, I mean, something inside of him was saying, preach the word. He didn't have the vision yet, but something was burning inside of him. And, and here's the thing is that, that that that's so beautiful, is that we think, well, the Apostle Paul, you know, this guy's preaching the word, people have got to be getting, you know, touched, ministered to, but the scripture says something opposite, it says he's preaching, and what happens? The Jewish people, the first ones that he's going to, they begin to oppose him. It says, so they opposed him and blasphemed. So what, so um, Sister Dawn pointed this out. He shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. What is he doing? He's doing the same thing. The book of Ezekiel tells us that when God speaks to you and tells you to communicate to someone who is doing wrong and let them know that they are doing wrong when he speaks to you, if you go to them and you communicate that to them, your hands are clean. It's up to them. You cannot force someone to turn away from sin. You can't force someone to change their life. You can't force someone to do anything. The only thing you can do is present them the truth. That's all you can do is present them with the truth. Give them the truth of God's word. This is what the word of God teaches. This is what the scriptures teach. This is what the scriptures teach. Begin to pray for them and leave it alone. Let them respond. Don't try to shove it down their throat. Don't try to make them change. The Apostle Paul, he doesn't do that. He preached to them. He reasoned with them. He showed them in the scriptures everything that was there. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to shake off my clothes and I'm done. I can't do anything because you you don't want to do this. So, you know, there's another group of people that are going to be more than happy to receive this. They're not going to be like you. So they oppose him and he goes ahead, moves on to the Gentiles. And he's done this and you'll notice something. If you remember back a couple of chapters ago, I think it's like in chapter 13, he did the same thing there. He said, I'm I'm going away from you Jews and I'm going to preach to the Gentiles. Why does he keep doing that? Didn't he go preach to the Gentiles? Of course he did. But every time he goes into a new region, every time he goes into a new city, the Bible says that the gospel and salvation is for the Jew first and then for the Greek. And so he says, you know what? I've got to be faithful, preach to the Jew first. Everywhere that I go, that's what the apostle Paul is going to do. He's going to find a synagogue. He's going to find a place where he can speak to the Jew Jewish people. And when the Jewish people reject him, then he's going to say, okay, you know what? Now I'm going to focus my attention solely on the Gentiles and go to minister unto them. Verse seven, it says, and he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, who one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. And so this, this person, Justice was a Gentile. He was a Greek or, you know, he, he was someone that wasn't Jewish, but he was a worshiper of God, meaning that he was seeking Jehovah. He was seeking God through the law. And so he lived next to the synagogue. Well, he lived next to the synagogue. And so Crispus, verse verse 8 tells us, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household and many of the Corinthians hearing, believed and were baptized. Now, here's the beauty. Again, we get to see the Jewish people are rejecting the message. They opposed him. They blasphemed. They didn't want to hear it. He, he moves from there. He goes into Justice's house. And now he's ministering to the, leader of the, to the leader of the synagogue. Leader of the synagogue is open because he's a man that wants to hear the truth he hears the truth gives his life to christ his family gets saved and all of a sudden we start to see this little revival that begins to take place within this city and the corinthians begin to give their life to the lord verse 9 is a transitional point because or it's actually something that gives us a little picture to what's going on in the apostle paul's life and he says now the lord spoke to paul in the night by a vision do not be afraid but speak and do not keep silent For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And so he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, you would think, why is it that God would speak to the Apostle Paul this way? It never tells us that the Apostle Paul was afraid. It never tells us that he had any fear, does it? I mean, there's nowhere here where we would ever, in looking at anything that the Apostle Paul ever does, we never would see, we would never anticipate that there is any fear in this man. He looks like a fearless warrior for the kingdom of God. But can I tell you something? God is not going to tell someone not to be afraid if he ain't afraid. God is not going to tell someone, do not fear if the person is not fearing. So what does that tell us? That tells us that what we get to see outside of this little picture here is we get to see the Apostle Paul under the inspiration with a mandate from God, but inside there is still a struggle that is going on inside of him. There is something that he battles with just like everybody else. He wants to give up and throw in the towel just like every one of us does. He wants to say, you know what, okay, because this is what he's doing. Think about why he got afraid. Why did this fear all of a sudden come up? Well, he's looking at history. He says, Okay, this is history. I go into a city. I go into the synagogue. I reason with the Jews. They oppose me, blaspheme me, reject me. I go to the Gentiles. People start getting saved, and all of a sudden, I'm about to get stoned. This is this is exactly what history's telling him. And so, you know what he says? He says, "This is what I'm. This is what I foresee." And you know what? There's fear in that man. Anytime you get stoned, I mean, you have the potential to die, and that is the end of it. Not to mention all of the pain that you go through in being stoned. So the Apostle Paul is in this situation. He has some fear, and he's going through some things. But the Lord gives him the revelation and that's exactly what God does and we're honest with him And we allow him to deal with our hearts He will give us the comfort and the exact word that we need all we got to do is pay attention And I know that i've been in situations where I felt like, you know I, I need to share this with someone and then you go and you share it with them and you just know Like I said, you know that you know that you know That it is the holy ghost inside of you that is putting this word in your heart for this person telling them you share it with them and you go and you share it with them and they act like it ain't for me Mm-hmm You just got to be faithful. Amen? God knows what they need. So the Apostle Paul stayed there. He continues there for a year again. So we know that this whole thing that it started out in 49, in 49 AD. So the Apostle Paul is there for a year and six months. So that means we see a year. So 50, you know, depending on what time and, you know, that year 49, it was there between 51 and a half and, you know, 52. The Apostle Paul is, is moving on into this, this scenario here. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Again, this is just history repeating itself in the way that the apostle Paul goes and ministers and the Jewish people get upset because they're telling them that they don't need to continue to sacrifice. They don't need to continue to do all of these things that they've been doing, but they can just come out and worship freely through Christ Jesus they don't want to hear that stuff verse 14 and when Paul was about to open his mouth Gallio said to the Jews if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes O Jews there would be reason why I should bear with you but if it is a question of words and names and your own law look to it yourselves for I do not want to be a judge of such matters and he drove them from the judgment seat then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Gallio took, took no notice of these things. And we'll continue on because we already touched that part there. Verse 18 says, so Paul remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Sincrea for he had taken a vow. And so obviously, the, and I want to point this out. The Nazarite vow was a free will vow. It wasn't something that was mandated under the law. It was something that you would do, and what you did is you said, you know what, for whatever the reason is, it can be for thanksgiving, it could be because I'm seeking the Lord for an answer, and we don't know what the motivation of the Apostle Paul was. For all we know, the Apostle Paul, you know, took it out of thanksgiving. Most of the people, most of the theologians that write about it, they think that it had to do with thanksgiving. He took the vow just to say thank you, Lord, and in that vow, you don't cut your hair, you don't uh, don't partake of any fruit of the vine at all, know anything at all and you totally separate yourself you don't go near the dead if your family has a funeral you don't go to that I mean all of these things you separate from that but it's not something that is mandated under the law it's something that is a free will offering unto the Lord of yourself and so the apostle Paul he goes he, he takes a Nazarite pledge for whatever the reason was and Now he's going back to Jerusalem so he can present an offering and he can, you know, bring the hair that he shaved off of his head. That was the symbolism of the Nazarite pledge in verse 19. And it says, and he came to Ephesus and he left them there. Who is them? Them is Priscilla and Aquila. But he himself entered the synagogue. And again, we see it. He reasoned with the Jews when they asked him to stay a longer time with them. He did not consent. Now, there's a little toss up as to who that they is. Is it the Jews who he was reasoning with in the synagogue or was it? akilah and priscilla it was probably both groups but he didn't want to stay there and he gives them the reason why verse 21 he says but took leave of them saying i must by all means keep this coming feast in jerusalem but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. Now, I want you to know that when he's saying here that he's got to keep this feast in Jerusalem, there's a lot of people that would try to keep you up under the law and things of that nature. And be, and they'll use scriptures like this saying, Well, you see, the Apostle Paul, they, they still honored all of these laws. The Apostle Paul wasn't saying that he had to go to be back in Jerusalem because he was keeping the law. The Apostle Paul was in a had an evangelistic heart. And first of all, he had to go and take care of this Nazarite pledge. The second thing is he knows that when he goes back to Jerusalem during this feast of the Passover guess what's going to be there a whole lot of Jewish people that he's going to be able to minister to so he wants to get back there so he can utilize that avenue to go ahead and share the gospel with as many people as possible verse 20 when I'm sorry verse 22 and when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church he went down to Antioch so now we see the end this this is the end of missionary trip one, this, I mean, missionary trip two. So he took this mission, this missionary trip, he's done with it. And where does he go? He goes back to the home church, spend some time in the home church, probably sharing and encouraging. We don't get any details of that, but it goes on to show us now verse 23 is a transition because this is where it's showing the beginning of his third missionary trip after he had spent some time there. So he was in Antioch there with the church. He, he, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples disciples So he went to the place. Remember, he went to Galatia and all of this, and that was the area of Pamphylia. And so he went there and he did what? He just went there to encourage the church. He went there to the same reason he went the second time was just to encourage, strengthen the brothers. So he does that. And now in verse 24, we're introduced to Apollos, who is a mighty man of God, who's used greatly in the scriptures. And he's even communicated on later on. So we know that he became a great leader within the church. He doesn't have a particular book that is um, said that he wrote it, but he was a great Leader within the church. Verse 24 says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. Though he knew only the baptism of John. Now we remember John the Baptist. This 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 person, Apollos, was probably one of the disciples of John the Baptist, or someone who had heard those teachings. And so he did believe in Christ. He believed in the teachings of John the Baptist, but he wasn't fully acquainted with all of the teachings. He knew enough of the prophetic scriptures and the word. Words that were that were taught to him through John and through the and through the teachings that obviously have taken place in these last 16 years, he learned enough to know that Christ was the Messiah, and he knew that Jesus was the one that was um, that that was prophesied about. But then the word the, the scriptures go on to tell us. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, So this guy, he's doing the same thing the Apostle Paul does. He's going into the synagogues, and the way that you know the synagogue runs, you know they have the time of prayer, then they read the scriptures, and then they go on ahead and they say, you know, would you like, you know, is there anyone who has anything they want? to share and so he gets up and he begins to share not you know not not you know in a low tone but he begins to share with boldness so Akilah and Priscilla they heard him and what do they do they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately now, this is a beautiful thing here Akilah and Priscilla we don't know how old they are in the Lord this is what we know for sure is that they spent a year and a half sitting under the Apostle Paul. That's what we know for certain. We don't know if they were saved when they met the Apostle Paul. We do know this. We do know that they ended up getting saved because obviously they're communicating and they have a church that meets in their house, which the book of 1 Corinthians tells us about that as well. But the beauty of this that I love, and and this is a challenge for everyone who is sitting here in front of me at this moment, I want you to notice that Akilah and, and her husband, or I'm sorry, that Priscilla and Akilah, Did not go up to Apollos and say, listen, the Apostle Paul is going to be back sometime soon. We need you to stop preaching until that time because he needs to explain to you the ways of the Lord more clearly. Obviously, there was no telephone. There was no Internet. Okay, it would have been kind of tough, I think, to send smoke signals at that point with such great doctrinal things. Right. Why is this important? Because you have a mandate as students of the Word of God to be well equipped to give the answers that are necessary to help people. You should not, hear me what I'm saying. There's a purpose for leadership and it is to equip you and to build you up and to be there to help you grow in Christ. That is a beautiful thing. But growing in Christ means that you get to a place where you are able to do just like Aquila and Priscilla did. They took this man to the side and they said, you know what, you're fervent and you're passionate and you got everything together, except you're missing these things here, and we want to add these to you, because with this right here, you're going to be a great expounder of the word, and really be able to um, bring people to Christ, and help, you know, refute all of the doctrines that the Jews are trying to hold so dear, and so this is what they do, and when I read this, to me, it is a challenge for anybody that's sitting down, you, you sitting in a church, and you've been in the church, you know, for a year, two years, been through, in faith dome, you know, you've been in faith dome, you've been through all, you know, all of the phase one, phase 2 phase 3 been through bible studies and all of this stuff you got to be equipped you should have some really good answers from some f- for some people who have some good questions and you should be able to help and here's the other thing i love it because it shows the ne- the, the necessity of accountability between brethren amen it's it's the the, the necessity You know, and and I've had this happen, and, 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 you know, there's obviously, you know, this is a difficult topic. If you see someone that is not accurate, that's not absolutely, you know, perfect in something, a lot of times what we'll say is, well, I don't really know them. So, you know, I'm going to let somebody who knows them communicate to them. And, And nobody ever heard that? Maybe you thought it, maybe you said it. Oh, I see somebody in error. You know, I, re- I really don't know them that well, so that's really not my responsibility. How long do you think Akilah and Priscilla knew Apollos? They probably knew him for like a day, if that. And that's not even a 24-hour day. They, they, they probably didn't know this guy. It wasn't like they were sitting down having tea with him. Hello. That wasn't the case. But what did they do? They said, this is not about our relationship. This is about his representation of Christ. That is what this is about. And because we are representatives of Christ and we have the word of the Lord, we've been trained under a teacher. We have heard the word of God the way that we need to. You know what? We're going to take personal this responsibility. And what do they do? They went to him and they shared with him. You know what I love also? I love that Apollos didn't get all prideful, didn't get all arrogant, was like, man, y'all don't know nothing. I don't want to hear nothing. No. He was still teachable. This guy was eloquent. He was passionate. He knew the scriptures just like the apostle Paul did. And you know what? He was able to go on ahead and receive that correction and become a better teacher and a better vessel for the kingdom of God. In verse 27 and 28, it says, And when he desired to cross to Achaia, so he was in Ephesus, he wanted to go back to Corinth. The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And so because of the counsel that he received from Priscilla and Aquila, he was able to do what? He was able to communicate more effectively. He was able to vigorously be able to get up there and refute the Jews. And what did he do? He became a great vessel in the hands of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Glory to God. Let's get our tithes and our offerings ready, please. Hallelujah.